Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Down the block, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today, Clarkie joins me once again. We're going to go through our best 17 for the Canterbury Bulldogs in the NRL era. How are we, mate? Yeah, very good, Guru. Great to be back here in the Bulldogs. This is a tough one to pick, but some, some awesome selections and overall a great side. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. Mate, uh, I think we gave ourselves a bit of a flat track to begin on just quietly. The Broncos are a pretty easy side to choose from. I think they're going to be one of the easier ones. I found this Canterbury side... Very difficult. There's a couple of legends of this club that we had to leave out, unfortunately. Very tough, mate. Remind us of the criteria once again. Absolutely, guys. So just quickly, our selection criteria. Number one, players are selected wherever they play their best footy. Number two, players must have played NRL um, within that era. Number three, the team structure must make sense. Number four, selected players are assumed to be within their absolute prime. And number five, of course, these lists are completely subjective. They're just our own personal opinion. So there is one notable feature in this team, which we'll probably talk about at the end, that missed out on this side. It was very hard to leave him out. You'll probably be able to guess who he is in a second. We're going with our fullback first. Uh, two guys we had to pick from here. Luke Patton, who has been uh, you know, one of the best players this club has ever seen. But then we also had Benny Barber. And based on our criteria, I mean, when you look back to 2012 and what he did that season, Dally M medal winner, they went all the way to the grand final. He was just about untouchable that year, Benny Barber. So we had to give him the fullback jersey. What's your greatest memory of Barber, mate? I would say Benny Barber, the 2012 season where I uh, can't remember who he was bursting, but he ran the length of the field, literally the length of the field. He picked the ball up with one metre in his own in goal line and went the whole field. There was another try that he just narrowly missed out on when the ball was probably a couple of metres over the dead ball line. He almost brought it back. Uh, to pick just one memory from that 2012 season is impossible. It was, it was probably up there with one of the best seasons we've ever seen from an individual in the NRL, realistically. Mate, I still remember that try you're talking about where uh, the ball was over the dead ball line. He brought it back in. I happened to be at that game, and I remember when they sent it upstairs. You know how we, we all got that feeling in rugby league that we're constantly wasting time, and the video ref is a waste of time. I remember everyone sitting around me sort of went, oh, why are we even looking at that? And then the replay came over, and good God, it was closer than what it ever should have been, wasn't it? Yeah, I think back in those days, the rule interpretation was you had to have control of a football when you put it down. 
Whereas now they just looked at you have contact with the ball on the ground. So I actually think under the modern rule set uh, or the current rule set, sorry, of the NRL that the bunker would probably award that a try. More than likely now, mate. I definitely think he got close enough to give it in the modern day. Mate, let's jump to our wingers. Uh, and obviously a lot of these guys, obviously since the, the NRL era, the Canterbury Bulldogs, they have won one premiership in that time, of course, the 2004 premiership. So there are a lot of fellas that are featuring from that side. The first guy is Matt Utai on one wing. Now, Matt Utai, he was sort of Brian To'o before we had Brian To'o, but... I mean, athletically, you probably give that one to Brian realistically. But Matt Utah back in the day, I mean, this guy was unreal. His center of gravity was just like no one else. He was just so hard to bring down, wasn't he? Yeah, the biggest thing I remember from Matty Utah was, as you said, his early hit-ups and his ability to break the first tackle. And when he did break that first tackle, he sort of found his hands and knees and got that quick play the ball. And that really enabled the Bulldogs to get a roll on. At the time he played as well, they they were known as the Dogs of War. They had a scary forward pack, but I do think that forward pack was made to look as good as they were um, off the back of a lot of his early hit-ups, creating that momentum for them. Mate, I'll never forget one night they were playing the Roosters. It would have been 03 or 04, and it was a really tight game. And I think it was Brayton Astor. He was lined up in front of the sticks to take a field goal, and Sherwin called it down the short side and threw a cutout ball. And um, just like in that grand final, they tried to take advantage of uh, Chris Walker on the wing there for the Roosters, and Matt Utai scored there. And he sort of had to beat a couple of defenders. And I remember him slamming the ball down, and the celebrations after that were just unbelievable. This is what I loved about this 04 and like early 2000s Bulldogs side, they always had this huge rivalry with the Roosters. There was so much water that went under the bridge there. Mate, obviously that's that huge rivalry. They met in the 2004 grand final. Uh, a bit of a scrappy game, but the lead up to the game was essentially better than the actual game itself. And the other winger, Hazamel Masri, he played a crucial part that night. There's a try that he scores in that game where he's held up by a heap of guys and I'll never forget sitting there watching it and as he's sort of being held up, Shannon Hegarty was the closest man, and instead of getting down to dive on him, Hegarty started to clap and cheer because they'd held him up. And just with a final effort, El Masri scores that try. And uh, it was a bit of a controversial one. A lot of people say double movement or he should have been called held. I think it was a fair try. And obviously El Masri, also one of the greatest goal kickers we've ever seen. I mean, it was just a 90% chance, no matter where you scored from, that Hazem was going to throw it over. He definitely provided us with some unbelievable moments in his rugby league career. Yeah, most definitely. Hasn't was one of the greatest wingers I've ever seen. But like you said, most notably has to be his goal kicking. I'd probably say he is the best goal kicker I've ever seen. And um, here's a fun fact for the listeners. Hasn't El Masri holds the most uh, points ever scored by an individual in an international game of rugby league. He scored 46 points on his own against Malta which is um, like almost a cricket score in his own incredible. Mate, an incredible effort and just Hazem's story in general. I mean, I, 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 you'd probably know more than me, but I think he was born in Lebanon, made his way over here. I mean, an unbelievable story. Yeah, exactly. And we're talking about a different time, um, not in our game, but in Australia as a whole where racism was rife and everything. So Hazem definitely had the cards stacked against him and he overcame a lot. And um, for that reason, he will always be remembered as a rugby league legend. It was also that game that I'll never forget with Hazard, mate. I think it was against the Newcastle Knights when he had to kick the goal uh, from the sideline to win it. Joey throws the mouth guard. Just an unbelievable moment. An absolute freak, Hazem. Uh, mate, let's move to the centres. 
Uh, two uh, two international centres here, two kangaroos. We'll start with Willie Tonga, first of all. Now, he was in the early 2000s side. He was in the 04 side. And we speak about that Roosters-Canterbury rivalry. I mean, Willie Tonga and Justin Hodges in the early 2000s. This was could-not-miss football. They were incredible. Willie Tonga in the 04 season definitely got the better of him. Obviously went on to represent uh, the Maroons and the Kangaroos. Played for a number of other clubs. But when Willie Tonga was at the Canterbury Bulldogs, he was unbelievable. Yeah, as I remember it, he, he moved that season, I think, from the Eels. And he wasn't really that well-known at this stage. And I think it was Willie Talau that was ahead of him. And a lot of people at the time were, you know, who's this young gun? Why is Willie Talau being left out of the side? But um, Willie Tonga, an immediate impact, a fantastic rookie season. He went on to play for Australia and Queensland, I believe, in that year also. So when we talk about Willie Tonga, he, he's a fantastic centre. He, he created opportunities for the men outside him. A powerful fan, great offload everything you want in a centre. Mate, the other centre, Josh Morris. He's, of course, played for a number of clubs as well. St. George, Cronulla. He's at the Roosters at the moment. Played a number of years at Canterbury. Didn't win a premiership there. Played in, I think, two grand finals with the Canterbury Bulldogs. Uh, Obviously, during this period, was regarded as the best defensive centre in our game. And, you know, I'm now watching him now as a 33, 34, whatever he is, and he's still got plenty of upside and attack. I just think potentially uh, for a few years there, Canterbury sides might have held him back a little bit. But uh, the way that he played throughout those years, of course, when he was at Canterbury, he would always go and play State of Origin. He would always be the guy picked to help trying to keep Greg Inglis quiet, essentially, and quite often did a good job. I mean, you, you, you couldn't do it every week against GI. He was simply too talented. But Josh Morris, this was another easy pick for me in the centres. Yeah, most definitely. I believe he played about 10 years with the club. And as you said, probably a little bit hurt by the fact he was at the Bulldogs for the majority of his career. Just for the fact that arguably his form now at an older age with the Roosters is, you know, somewhere up there um, at the very top of his career. Played in two grand final defeats for the Bulldogs. So a little bit unlucky there. You know, potentially if he wins those two, you know, we could be talking about him as probably the greatest centre ever or, or right up there at, at the very least. My best memory of Josh Morris, however, doesn't actually come from the Bulldogs. It comes from the State of Origin arena. And with Origin coming up, um, I'm sure we will see this highlight again. He's down on the ground. He has injured his knee. He's signals to the trainer, I need to go off. I I believe it was a PCL or an MCL. um, And Queensland made a break. And Josh Morris, this just proves how much heart he has, how much he cares about his teammates. He gets to his feet and and chases down and gets back in the defensive line. One of the bravest things I've ever seen on a footy field. Mate, really was an incredible moment, wasn't it? Yeah, just, you know, Josh Morris, he's a true clubman. He loves his teammates. He always puts in every week for his teammates. And that there was really the epitome. And that's shown um, just how much they mean to him. Now, mate, before we dive into the halves, a couple of things that need to be noted. Of course, the great Terry Lamb, probably the greatest Bulldog of all time for me. It should be noted that he retired in 1996. So, of course, he didn't make the cut for our NRL era team here. The other name that I'm sure a lot of people would be expecting is Jonathan Thurston. But, of course, as the criteria said at the start, we pick players at their peak at that club. So, JT, you know, didn't play his best football at Canterbury. He was extremely young at that point. Obviously came off the bench in 04, then made the move up to the Cowboys in 05. Uh, won a Dally M that year as well. An incredible effort. But those two fellas, they won't be featuring in our side. So our halves, um, a pretty easy one for me. I mean, they obviously made some grand finals in 2012, 2014. Um, you know, without... 
you know, overly fantastic halves in those sides. It was sort of more of a team effort. They sort of had a heap of front rowers that were able to ball play as well. So for me, it has to be the 0-4 premiership winning halves. So the 5-8, Braithen Astor, a guy that cops plenty of stick, but I think people forget when this guy burst onto the scene in 2000 or 2001, he came from my local area. Um, he was unbelievable, Braithen Astor. Yeah, the thing to remember about Braith as well is he was a real running 5 eight, and he, you know, he, not to say he didn't have fantastic playmaking and a great short cooking game because he did, um, but I've just got a stack in front of me. He played 111 games for the Doggies and scored 50 tries. So almost a 50% strike rate there. That's a, a fair fair statistic there, especially for a 5 eight. And um, yeah, his best football was with the Dogs. Realistically, like you said, there, there hasn't been too much competition for these two over the years. Probably the only other two that could really rival them potentially um, in some people's opinions for this best uh, NRL team could be Josh Reynolds and Trent Hodgkinson noting they played Origin together but overall um, we were both more than comfortable having Braith and Brent um, ahead of those two. And obviously Shifty mate, the halfback, I had him on my podcast a few months ago, a champion bloke and a guy that I absolutely loved watching him play football. I still think to this day he's got the best short kicking game of anyone I've ever seen. Shifty was unbelievable, and he was very unlucky that he came along in the era that he did. I mean, some of the halves that were running around during his career, it was star-studded. It really was the golden era of halves. But Shifty obviously won his premiership in 04, played a starring role in that as well. People forget that Canterbury, they were down at halftime. They were down by one point with about one minute to go before halftime, and then Anthony Tupu split him in half. He hit Minicello. He scored under the sticks. And when I did speak to Shifty on my podcast, he spoke about that they were just so confident at halftime. And he came on. He laid two tries on in the second half. A sensational player, Brent Sherwin. I think he's extremely underappreciated. He was probably one of those players that actually um, fell off my radar a little bit. I probably had forgotten about him um, until, like you said, your podcast, which was really, really fantastic. And I would recommend that to anyone listening here. And um, like you said, he was in an era with just so many golden halfbacks. Him and his former teammate, Luke Patton, for me, from that era at least, they were probably two of the most unlucky blokes to never play for the Blues because their club formed more than warranted selection. And I think if they were to be in any of those Blues teams, no one would have been disappointed with the selection. Mate, let's dive into the forward pack, the engine room. And I think, you know, I quite often look back at premiership winning sides and, you know, they're normally owned by a certain player, a halfback, a 5'8", someone in the spine. For me, I look back at that Canterbury side and I, I think the forward pack owned that one. I think the 2004... Canterbury Bulldogs is one of the most ferocious packs we have ever seen and I mean they came up against the 2004 Roosters pack that was absolutely star-studded I'm not sure if we'll ever see two better forward packs go head-to-head so obviously a lot of those guys have dominated our picks there which I think is completely fair enough up front the first man we've picked the ogre Marco Mealy what an enforcer yeah, Marco Mealy my best memory of him was probably I believe it was a young Ben Ross playing for the Sharks uh, mouthed off a little bit too much and I remember the ogre had a hit up straight at him and I just remember as soon as he connected you could feel the hit um, watching through the telly and, and Ben Ross was immediately out that was probably some of the roughest and toughest contact I've ever seen from a prop forward and um, I actually believe his son it, it plays for the Bulldogs in their junior ranks at the moment which would be exciting for doggy fans the second coming of an O'Mealy because ogre was an incredible player for them for so many years and Probably one of the most aggressive and probably one of the biggest enforcers I've ever seen in the front row. 
Mate, there's a, there's one night, and I, I think it's on YouTube to go and have a look at it. But he uh, he goes head to head to head with Bryce Gibbs, and to Bryce Gibbs' credit, he doesn't back down from him at all. But fuck, it would have been wise if he did, because it was God, it was hard to watch. He was just such a tough bloke, Marco Mealy. And when he when he had momentum behind him, near impossible to stop. An incredible player, mate. To partner him. Uh, we've chosen their 2004 captain. He, of course, didn't play in the 2004 Grand Final. He sat on the sideline uh, wearing his jersey, wearing his famous number 10 jersey. And as the story goes, we all know when they won the premiership, JT, he gave his premiership wing ring back to this guy, Steve Price. He obviously went on to play for the Warriors after that as well. An incredible foot player, footballer, Steve Price. Yeah, Steve Price. Not only was he an incredible footballer at this time, for the doggies. He was incredible for them off the field. Uh, I'm not too sure many people know this story. I don't think it's out there too much, but when Jonathan Thurston uh, was looking for an NRL team to give him a start, they all said, you're too small. But the Bulldogs said, all right, we'll have you down for a preseason, but we're not paying you. And so Steve Price and his wife at the time actually brought JT into their home, fed him, gave him a place to stay. And that's why JT was so passionate when he when he said, um, I gave him my premiership ring because he's the best bloke. Um, so Steve Price was a leader on and off the field. And I have to say, personally, probably one of the best props that I've ever seen play footy. Mate, an incredible footballer. I mean, especially whenever he played for Queensland, he just always seemed to go to another level. The one thing I'll always remember about Steve Price is it didn't matter if it was Bulldogs, Kangaroos, Maroons, Warriors, every training session, the king of the bucket hat. I've never seen anyone wear one better. He certainly loved the bucket hat. And as you said there, Steve Price, probably, you know, one of those players that always went to another level seemingly at representative football. And, um, you know, that could be the fact that he's such a big game player, which is why, um, you know, we all would have loved to have seen him in that 2004 grand final. But the Bulldogs did manage to get the job done without him. But if they didn't, I do think that would be, you know, that would be a huge talking point. Would they have won if he was in there? Um, Just for the fact, as you said, every rep game, he went to another level. Mate, you mentioned they won that grand final without him, and I think the next two guys we're going to talk about, uh, I don't think they win it without one of these guys, let alone both of them. Uh, the first man we'll talk about it was this captain that night. He replaced uh, Steve Price that night as a skipper for the Canterbury Bulldogs, Andrew Ryan. And, um, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll jump to it quickly. Now, the other back row we have picked is Willie Mason. Now, Willie Mason, he was the Clive Churchill medalist that night in the 2004 Grand Final. For me, I thought Willie was fantastic, but the impact that Andrew Ryan had in that game was unbelievable. It could have gone to either of these two. Let's kick off with Andrew Ryan first, mate. And obviously, he was in the Parramatta Eels 2001 Grand Final. He left. He went to the Canterbury Bulldogs. A big split with Brian Smith there, as, as the rumor is always gone. Arrived at Canterbury and, you know, Bobcat, he just epitomized what the Canterbury Bulldogs were made of for the next 10 years. An incredible player. Yeah, I think in that game in particular, I think Bobcat Ryan was more prominent in defense for them. I remember his tackle on Chris Walker, which was really, really integral at the time and um, obviously very, very important. Um, He also made um, another really important tackle in that grand final, but I can't remember who. And uh, for Willie Mason in that grand final, statistics weren't so much reported on or a massive part of the game back then but he actually ran for over 300 meters in that grand final which at the time was unheard of in the modern game now unless your name's Jason Tamalolo and even only I believe on one occasion he's ran for over 300 so uh, both those men were on another level that night and incredible incredible to think that you know stats weren't so important back then over 300 meters from a back rower that's that's yeah, that's just... I can't even fathom that, to be honest. 
Well, mate, 300-plus metres, which is unbelievable, but then you need to consider the forward pack he was going up against. I mean, that Roosters 014, that has to be the best forward pack to not win a premiership I think I've ever seen. Incredibly impressive. You did mention Andrew Ryan. Uh, he made another tackle in that game. It was on the very last play. Brett Finch throws an absolute pearl of a ball to Mick Crocker. He's going through and just one of the greatest desperation tackles we've ever seen. Bobcat saves the day on the last play once again. The Walker tackle was unreal that you mentioned before. He throws a brilliant cutout pass to another man in this team, Matt Hughes try to set up another try had his fingerprints all over this game let's move to jersey 13 mate and this is a guy that um played a bit of lock forward for the canterbury bulldogs played mostly in the back row actually debuted at center one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen unbelievable footballer but as an athlete he was just something else it is of course sunny bill williams yeah sunny bill although he only did play the four or five years there with the bulldogs it's impossible to leave him out he was, I remember he, his debut was so hyped um, and, and rightly so. He was incredible to watch. One of the most exciting players to burst onto the NRL scene. Ultimately, I think he's a player that I wish we never lost at any stage to rugby union. Um, but, you know, Sonny Bill Williams, he, he's also one of the only athletes in Australia, as far as our game is concerned, to have a million followers on Instagram. So that also, uh, also sort of shows how influential he is uh, on and off the field, realistically. Mate, I'll never forget his first game. It was round one in 2004. They were playing the Parramatta Eels, and he was named at centre. And we'd heard about this guy a little bit. Uh, and, mate, he was unbelievable. I think they led, like, 30 nil at halftime. He absolutely blitzed them. He scored a try himself. He set up another. We saw the first of many flick passes that we could see. You just knew from the very start, this kid, he was going to be a superstar. And, you know, I, I guess no one could have predicted how his career would unfold, whether it be boxing, rugby league, rugby union. He would just be a champion in everything that he touched. Yeah, that's it. And in 2004, you know, we didn't have our phones with highlight reels of them in the younger grades. So for people to really, you know, be hyping up a debut of someone back then in 2004, where you could only realistically either go and watch yourself or read about him in the newspaper or maybe Rugby League Week or Big League, one of the magazines back then, it shows how special he was coming through. And, um, you know, to have that sort of hype back in 2004, um, just incredible. Mate, let's dive into our bench now. And Jersey 14, we obviously mentioned before Ben Barber was our fullback. I found it really hard to leave the general out of this side. But as our rules say, it has to make sense. And for me, I think this guy's been the best utility that the Bulldogs have had so far. A guy that I'm a huge fan of. You can put him in the back row. You can shove him in the front row. He'll do a job in the halves for you. He'll do a job at hooker. Rennie Matua, an incredibly gifted player who, you know, he always had a bit of shit in him. But... That was who the Canterbury Bulldogs are. That's their DNA. And this guy, he suited it down to a T, didn't he? Yeah, that, you're exactly right there. At 14, there was a few options there. We thought of Mick Ennis. Um, we thought of Luke Patton. But as you said, we want our team structure to make sense as per our selection criteria. And when you think of the Bulldogs and the Dogs of War, then you simply must have Rennie Matilda in there. As you said, that was in his DNA. He did have a little bit of grub in him. He was probably one of those players that Doggies fans absolutely loved and adored. Um, opposition fans, maybe not so much, but ultimately we had to make room for Rennie in our side, and at 14 it is. Mate, now I've got to point out to the listeners, I've done it again, and I know you're sitting there with a little smile on your face. I've forgotten to mention our hooker for the second time in a row. I did it with the Broncos as well. You saved my ass there. Uh, geez, I'll tell you what. 
Must be the only time I ignore a hooker. Let's go back to Michael Ennis. We chose him at number nine. Obviously a guy that he wasn't in that 04 side. He was still at the Brisbane Broncos at that point, I believe. Maybe even the Dragons. But a couple of years later, he became the captain of the club. I think he was there for the 2012. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And the 2014 grand final. I think the 14 grand final, he might have got suspended in that one, though. So him and Isaac Luke didn't play. He'd obviously go on to win a premiership with the Cronulla Sharks a couple of years later. But... Mick Ennis, when he was at the Canterbury Bulldogs, I mean, I said Rennie Matua, he epitomised what the Bulldogs were. Michael Ennis, you know, Ennis the menace, that's just who he was. That was who the Canterbury Bulldogs, if if there had to be a poster boy for the Bulldogs during that era, it was Mick Ennis, wasn't it? Absolutely. And number nine for the Doggies, this was probably one of the most tough positions to pick. You have players like Adam Perry, Corey Hughes, they were, you know, a really big part of them for so long. But Mick Ennis, for me, he's one of those players that was in the Cameron Smith era. Um, there's so many players in that era, such as Michael Lennon, such as Robbie Farah, um, and, and there's so many more I could name, but um, they were in the Cameron Smith era where Cameron dominated the rep teams, the Australian team most notably, um, but in a different era. Michael Lennon, you know, he's probably being looked at as, if not the best, one of the very best hookers of that era, but Cameron Smith just dominated that era and every rep team he was in. But regardless, Mick Ennis, fantastic player, and a player that went out on his own terms which I love to see because we don't often see that in our game. He went out with a premiership with the Sharkies, albeit not the Doggies, but his best footy for for our take at least was played at the Doggies. Mate, let's jump back to the bench. And as we said, Jersey 14 went to Rennie Matua. Jersey 15, and obviously the Canterbury Bulldogs, they haven't been overly successful over the last few years, haven't played much finals footy. The last grand final they, they were in was seven years ago. But this guy, he has just been the centrepiece of this team for so long. Obviously, their current club captain, Josh Jackson, I simply couldn't leave him out of this side. You can't leave him out of the side. He is the heart and soul of the Bulldogs. And, you know, it would have been all too easy for Josh Jackson to pack his bags and take a a smaller deal at somewhere like the Roosters or the Storm. And, you know, if he did so, there's no doubt in my opinion that Josh Jackson would have multiple premierships and probably more rep jerseys to his name. But for him to stay at the Doggies, it shows not just how much the club means to him, but how loyal, how committed he is as a man on and off the field for the club. A true workhorse on the field. One of the hardest workers I've ever seen. I love Josh Jackson and he had to be within our team somewhere. Mate, Jersey 16, this went to another guy that I think is extremely underappreciated. The mixture of size and skill, which uh, will also feature in in the last guy on our bench as well, but Frank the Tank Pritchard. uh, Obviously played for the Penrith Panthers and the Canterbury Bulldogs. 
He was incredible, mate. The offloading ability and the little bit of X factor that you, you that you used to get from Frank. I mean, probably not the most consistent player we've seen, but based on our criteria, when Frank was at his best, my God, there was just no stopping this bloke. Yeah, I'd probably be prepared to say that when Frank Pritchard was at his best, um, then he probably was right up there as either the best prop back row in the game wherever he played. The thing I always remember about Frank was his X factor at that time. Not There, there was obviously your back rowers that um, did have the late footwork at the line and the offload, but I think Frank really took it to a new level. Probably one of those players, like you said, a touch inconsistent across his career, but I also think a factor of that was when he was on, he was just so good and he was at a level that is so hard to maintain, creating opportunities with his offload and his late work, uh, footwork, sorry, at the line. Frank the Tank, an incredible footy player. Mate, the last guy we've picked, uh, he obviously retired at uh, the end of last year, played for a number of clubs in Australia, only played for two clubs, kicked off his career with the Canterbury Bulldogs in the NRL. James Graham, uh, one of the best Poms we've ever seen, also one of the unluckiest Poms we've ever seen. Thank God he retired with a premiership victory uh, to finish his career. I think he lost seven or eight grand finals in his time. He lost two grand finals for the Canterbury Bulldogs, uh, obviously had the biting incident in the 2012 grand final, never too far away from controversy James Graham but a true leader of men and I imagine from what I've gathered he would be one of those guys that you'd look around the change room and when you you know you got James Graham who, who's getting ready to put his kit on I think it would just lift you to another level he was just that sort of footballer wasn't he yeah he's definitely a player that never erred on the side of caution he played with his heart on his chest uh, on his sleeve sorry and sometimes that spilled over like you said in the grand final but James Graham for me is definitely one of the best Poms we've ever seen. Um, I actually remember watching the grand final you're referring to where they got the win. That was an incredible finish. And I just remember watching James Graham on the sideline, just elated. He was so happy watching him jump around. And I was just so happy for him. Um, Probably when he did leave the Bulldogs as well, I was a little bit surprised. I thought he was a player they should have been holding on to. And I think ultimately the Doggies probably did regret letting him go just because he was the heart and the soul of their team alongside Josh Jackson. I've always sort of viewed those two as men that gave 100% for the Bulldogs, no matter where they were on the ladder, no matter what the scoreboard said, and no matter what minute it was during a contest, they always gave their everything. Um, And I'll always remember James Graham for that. Mate, I think one thing that really sums Booper up for me, and I know it's a moment owned by Sam Burgess. We obviously had in the 2014 Grand Final, Burgess, I don't know, whatever injury it was to his jaw or his eye socket or whatever. I mean, he was playing in the lock role in that game. And there's no doubt about it that Sam Burgess, he took it upon himself to jump into the front row position and take the return off the kickoff. And I mean, I don't think we could possibly say it's a coincidence that these two Englishmen put themselves in the same position to meet each other off the kickoff to start the 2014 grand final. And I have no doubt that James Graham would have seen where Sam Burgess was, would have probably said to his halfback, put it down his throat, I'm going after him. An incredible moment. Interesting you say that. I remember watching a podcast recently with James Graham where he actually admitted, he said, I, I, I want the first contact. Make sure yeah. you kick on my side, um, which was, you know, that just shows how much passion he has, how much hunger he has. Um, but then, you know, Sam Burgess equally, he, he had the desire to be an enforcer. And when these two collided at the start of a grand final um, and someone reeled away injured, it is just no surprise to me. They are both two very, very tough blokes. Great mates off the field, but fierce competitors on it. Mate, before we do get to our coach, pretty obvious, but I just want to mention, of course, we've already said his name a few times, but Luke Patton, I think he was the hardest one to leave out of this 17, but I just don't think it would make sense to put him in anywhere else. A guy that definitely deserves to be in this 17, 
but we just couldn't find a gig for him, could we? No, absolutely. And as you said, one of the greatest Bulldogs ever, undoubtedly. One of the most unluckiest men to never play for the Blues. But per our criteria selection, um, a player that is selected is considered in their prime. And what I will say about Ben Barber in 2012, that is up there with the greatest season of any football player in any competition in the whole world. You know, his 2012 form was it was undeniable. If we're going off that rule, you just cannot not select Ben Barber. He has to be there. His X factor was off the chart that year. Some of the tries he scored, we may never see anything similar again. So although it was so, so hard to leave the general out, uh, we have to follow our criteria and selection rules. So that puts Ben Barber in the one jersey over him. I think another guy, mate, that was extremely unlucky to miss out on. And the more I think about it, the more I'm wondering if we got our centres wrong. I think Nigel Vunganar, he was a guy that could have been right up there as well. I think I think Tonga, Josh Morris, Nigel Vunganar at his best. I think you could swap any of those two into those, in any of those three into those two spots and uh, be, be more than happy there at centre. I think another guy that we haven't mentioned really at all yet, we've spoken about a lot of guys that epitomise what the Canterbury Bulldogs are. Josh Reynolds, I mean, just on heart and tick, he was another one that I found really hard to leave out of my side. He was another option for the 14, but obviously Rennie Matua, um, he's, he's got a premiership next to his name. He played for the Kangaroos. He played for New South Wales. He did it all. So a number of guys that were very hard to leave out there from the rich history of this club. Uh, the coach, mate, um, God rest his soul, unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. Steve Folks, uh, obviously the premiership winning coach from 2004. And we've heard, I've heard on a lot of podcasts and everything, I've, I've heard sort of Willie Mason say, that you know, all Steve Folks did was just challenge him. He would give him shit constantly. He'd tell him that he wasn't up to this, wasn't up to doing this, and he would just always get the very best out of his players. It's a sensational thing to be able to do as a coach, isn't it? Most definitely, and not all coaches are able to do it, and that's why a lot of coaches do struggle at clubs. Steve Folks, um, rest in peace, first of all, but second of all, when you look at the dogs of war mentality and the fact that his forward, every single game, they went looking for a fight. Not not a physical fight. I'm, I'm talking not literally here. They went looking for it. They found it. And 9.9 times out of 10, they won. And you cannot maintain that consistency, that aggression, and that desire without a very, very strong and influential man in your corner challenging you. And that's exactly what he was able to do consistently for a number of years for this Bulldog side. I think the greatest compliment to Steve Folks as well, mate, is obviously they had that unbelievable side in 2002. They simply could not lose the premiership. They got their points taken off them. The Roosters went on to win the premiership that year. And, you know, for Steve Folks to get his team back up in 2003 when they fell one game short of the grand final, then get them up again in 2004 where they had to beat the Roosters and... I know that they won a premiership in 02, but good God, I reckon that 2004 Roosters team would slap the 02 team around. That Roosters team, they got better over that three years. This Canterbury Bulldogs side went from one of the best we've ever seen and then had to climb the mountain again and drag themselves back up there. It really is a true credit to Steve Folks. Absolutely. And when you put it like that, you know, when we think of influential and greatest coaches, often we do go, you know, um, your Robinsons, Jack Gibsons, Bennett, and Bellamy. Um, based on what you you know you've just laid out there, Steve Folks could probably be right up there um, in that conversation as far as most influential coaches are concerned. So you know w- when all things are considered, he probably was even a little bit underrated as a coach. And I mean, on top of that as well, mate, as I said before, you know we always look back at these premiership winning sides. We look at the spine, we look at the halfback, the five eight. I mean. 
You know, Brent Sherwin and Brayton Astor, you wouldn't say they were the best seven or six of their generation by any means. Uh, I mean, Luke Patton hasn't made this team for us. He was never in the top absolute tier of fullbacks, never played state of origin or anything. I mean, we obviously went Michael uh, Michael Ennis as our hooker here as well, even though I forgot about him. But, mate, he's managed to do it without so many key spine players. And, yes, he had a Thurston. He had a Sonny Bill. But these guys, they were 19, 20 years old, playing minimal time uh, off their bench. It, the more you think about it, the more impressive what Steve Folks did is. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you know, in one, one man in particular, Brent Sherwood, he was known as Shifty Sherwood. He was so crafty at the time. And I think that was just because Steve Folks, you know, he gave him that trust to play his natural football. He didn't try to turn Brent Sherwood into, um, you know, potentially a game-managing half that stuck extremely to the game plan and never deviated. He told him, mate, be shifty. Play what's in front of you. I want you to be crafty. And when he gave him that license, he enabled so many players to um, play their best football. So, you know, full props and full respect to Steve Folks. Clarky, mate, thanks for joining us once again. It's been sensational going through the Canterbury side. Uh, a star started 17. If we had to have a squad of 20-odd, I think it would get even better, obviously. Mate, I believe we're going to dive into the Canberra Raiders next. We'll get into the Raiders next. That's another exciting one. And um, the Raiders are a real interesting one because they've obviously got so many legends from that um, dominant period in the early or late 90s, I should say, sorry. Um, but then there's also some modern... Um, players in their current squad that you know are in some magnificent form also in recent years so they're a really interesting one with some um, selections that might even surprise a few people looking forward to it mate we'll talk to you then very appreciate it spring is that you Warmer temps mean new Allbird styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. 